Murder at 1051 Ramsdale Drive. What happened to David Crowley, his wife, and his daughter? If this was truly a double murder-suicide, why did investigators fail to prove David Crowley guilty? Where is the evidence David Crowley killed his wife and daughter? Where is the evidence David Crowley killed himself? Within 24 hours of finding the bodies of David, Kamel, and Rania Crowley, the Apple Valley Police Department were treating the incident as a double murder-suicide. Authorities cannot prove David wrote Allahu Akbar in his wife's blood on the living room wall. Authorities cannot prove David wrote I have loved you all with all of my heart on a laptop in the kitchen. Authorities cannot prove David wrote Open the Rise most recent version Submit to Allah Now on a notepad in his office bedroom. Authorities cannot prove the dog trapped inside the house ate David's right hand, both of Kamel's hands, and their daughter's right arm, since dog feces tests were never done. Authorities did not know about a bullet that rolled out of a living room carpet until they were notified by the cleaning company, two days after the bodies were found. That bullet would later be tied to Rania Crowley. Authorities did not see the bullet hole in the living room ceiling or the bullet in the attic above until they questioned David's friend a month after the bodies were found. Authorities did not find a motive to support their accusations against David Crowley. Authorities did not find David's blood on any of the bullets at the crime scene. Authorities do not know when David, Kamel, and Rania Crowley died. What we know for sure is that David Crowley has not been proven guilty. And this is where you see the occult influence in the story, and you'll see almost nothing until it spikes. But then a hint, a hint starts to rise. But if the hint is rising, where does the hint come from? And have I planted it appropriately in the past? And able to see, like, when the bad guy is introduced, is there enough of the occult hint? Has it been properly set up in the inciting incident? So I can ultimately bring it from nowhere and create this emotionally charged climax that is loaded with meaning that you didn't see coming. And so, the third plot twist, the third act twist. There has to be a little bit of willingness to be killed at the end. She's basically becoming a martyr. Don't resist by taking out a gun, resist by letting him do it. <clears throat> but when she dies, he lets her go, spiritually understanding that she got out and that he will too. All right, and thank you for joining us for this special episode, this bonus show of the Gray Stage podcast. And William Rail and Sophia are both joining me here, too. And hopefully we'll get um, Stephen to join us as well. We're going to be covering some of the parallels. We'll see how far we can get here. And um, hopefully we can get this up into the group files as soon as possible. We're going to look at some of the parallels between the 2013 script and the crime scene. Now, these are just some of the parallels 
that Sophia and Catherine have both found. And also William has, has found some too, so he may bring some of those up. And we're just going to have just a, a general talk. This is the first time that I'm looking at these here. I know we've talked about them, but it's nice to have this, this list to kind of go through. And we'll kind of go down one by one. And um, we'll go ahead and start with the first one, which to me is it's the most, I wouldn't say the most relevant, but the most, um, the one that I keep coming back to from the very start of this whole freaking case. So this is the one. A D demonic presence slash occult in the script. This is a huge, huge point. We're talking about the 2013 script, too. That's all we're talking about right here. The presence of a demonic presence or the occult in, in the script. And here's what it says. The article discusses a paranormal situation that David supposedly had. The article, I believe, um, Sophia, correct me if I'm wrong, you're talking about the Alec, Wilkin, Alec Wilkinson New Yorker article. Is that right? I think so. I need to go yeah. back and I need to source it correctly. Okay. Yeah, I, um, I do believe that that's, that's the first time that I heard about this whole paranormal thing that Kamel was talking about. And I was able to ask um, <coughs> Kamel's sister, Sidra, I was able to ask her about this paranormal thing. And she gave me more about this paranormal ac activity that led me to think that it wasn't just... Um, this paranormal stuff was not just happening in 2014. This may have been happening as far back as 2012 or even 2013. But this is not... The way that the documentary and the way that Alec Wilkinson writes it, they make it seem like it's like all of a sudden there's this paranormal stuff that just happens. I believe this paranormal stuff has gone back for a long time. And it didn't turn them crazy in 2013. I don't believe it would turn them crazy in 2014. It may have heightened. That's a whole other issue. Um, mm -hmm. But you say Sidra mentioned it as well in a gray state. Or Kamel mentioned it as well in a gray state. Um, and then, then with the voice that Kamel hears, which is also shown in a gray state. So Sidra was, you're right, because Sidra did mention it in a gray state before her part was taken out, before all of her stuff was taken out, according to what she, she said here. And um, that's all that I can go on. I, I think everybody, you know, no one's ever discounted that. She's never dis discounted it. and uh, It's in her own, her own words. Mm -hmm. And... Um, even the gray state goons have never come out and tried to say that that wasn't wrong. It's crazy that they didn't use this stuff more, that the, the paranormal aspect is just kind of thrown in there at the very end. With no closure, with no follow-up, um, not really yep. mentioned. The police don't really talk about that. As far as I can see, Tom Lydon seems very concerned about it. Doesn't seem to question the police about it that much. Um, it's just kind of there. So any thoughts on the paranormal, um, this presence that we see and how that relates to what we see in the 2013 script? We see two incidents because depending on which a gray state um, episode that you watch or version that you watch, there is like little snapshot of a recording where Kamel and David are like hushed and whispering and almost panicking in a way. And then uh, it goes back to David's father and then he then talks about Kamel's prophecy where the whole rapture thing. 
and uh, there's do you, do you a happen, Do you happen to have that transcript or um, part of that transcript? Handy? I do. I I do. Let me Might grab get it. To, yeah, to read some of, some of that, so these listeners can get a better understanding if they've never heard about it. I, I, to me, it's like I thought you know the whole documentary could have just been focused on just this. Especially if there was more. Now, if this is all that, that they had and they're just making little clips from this one little part of the phone, that's kind of weird. But it seems like if there was a big paranormal thing, then there should have been more focus. There should have been more recordings on it from what it sounds like. There was only a couple, maybe two. Also, you know. what I think um, is I noticed this never happened. We never got any... I mean, normally you'd see a group of paranormal... Um, uh, like investigators kind of looking at this and be like, oh, okay, well, this is in this documentary. Let's go and take a look. Let's go and see if we can get permission. There's been none that have actually... I looked. There's been none that have tried to go and actually investigate that, which tells me that they probably assume the same thing because this... I mean, they probably see this as either there was something, um, but it's, it's probably just, like, connected directly like it was a personal haunting, like somebody was themselves being haunted... Um, it wasn't. It wasn't even actually happening at all. But once again, um, you mentioned that Sidra had said something. I believe in your book. You also talk about um, it was like kind of like a telekinetic force in the in the in the home for at one point. I believe I, I could be mistaken, but um, with yeah, uh, she, the red man she, force. Yeah, she called it a a a physical. She saw Sidra said she saw a physical presence, uh, and the daughter saw it too. The daughter is the one that actually woke up screaming. And Sidra saw it, thought that it was David, ran out of the room when she realized that it wasn't David, saw David praying, and then saw the the daughter's toys flying off of of shelves. And the way that that she said it didn't, I don't know, to me, and the way that Camille talks about it in those clips, she doesn't sound crazy to me. No, no, she doesn't. The thing is, I mean... We're not see- but my point here is we're not seeing any paranormal investigation groups try to go in. Uh, they're not trying to investigate this. Um, there's, there's no voices being silenced. We don't hear a damn thing. There's nothing. And that's the thing is if there's really like this demonic presence or there's some kind of um, a haunting going on, you'd figure there'd be some voice. Like somebody would come forward and be like, hey, I want to go and take a look at the home. Or, hey, I want to go and, um, you know, it would be okay if we kind of talk about this. Like there was nothing. Well, we um, have had mediums in there. I don't know if that would specifically count for what you're for what you're bringing up, but you're 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 well, right. It's a little different. Is yeah. I mean, when, when it comes to mediums, um, psychics, things like this, they're different because they're going to be more on the lines of the paranormal them, paranormal themselves. Um, I mean, I'm kind of when it comes to psychics and this kind of stuff, I'm not really a a huge believer in a psychic or anything. I'm like, eh, you know, sometimes they find something great, but I think it's more out of like. A lot of the time, it's more out of luck. Um, and they do a lot of probing anyways when they're talking about things normally. Um, but when it comes to, like, a paranormal investigation team, they're usually coming in there with, like, equipment, uh, science to try and back things up, to try and, you know, like, basically go in and be like, okay, there's no electrical disturbance here, there's none of this, there's none of that, there's none of this. And they can narrow it down, and basically once they can run through the whole thing, and they find, oh, okay, well, there's nothing here that would actually do any of these things here. This is a haunting, you know? Yeah, that was actually, that was one of the reasons why when the house went 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 on sale went for sale the first time I was really considering 
trying to maybe purchase it and mm-hmm. to get it to to get a team in there. But you know, for me, it would have to be Christians. It couldn't be mediums. It couldn't be psychics or something like that. Exactly. And I don't I don't really know any Christian paranormal investigators. I don't know if it's too late to even think about that. But it's it's, it's definitely something. You know, if there's any value to it, I mean, and if the current owners would be open to it, it would be something that I'd be curious following up on. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you can even just, I mean, like, there's there's plenty of paranormal investigators in Minneapolis too. That's the thing. I mean, that's true. Just, I mean, just listen to what uh, you know, Dan has to say about all that kind of stuff. Anyways, I mean, you know, he might even oh, be interested well, in helping out, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could we we could always get Dan and that Sarah para, paranormal Sarah. Maybe they would go check it out for us. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, you know, but I mean, that's that's the whole thing. Is like we're not seeing any kind of activity. I think it would be great if there was something, you know, somebody had gone in and actually gone through and checked because by this point, it's so far different. You already got new homeowners. Um, they've probably updated everything, which means their electrical is probably more up to date. Um, so, I mean, things like that, for instance, they're already going to be able to narrow it down. If not, if there's still any activity at all, then it's the house or something at the house. So, I mean, that's, that's what I'm coming down to. Like, I mean, if you do any kind of like... Um, uh, research on the paranormal and stuff, like kind of how some of these things work. I mean, people can be haunted, um, specifically so, like some kind of a spirit or um, entity, like, attaches to somebody. Um, yeah. There's plenty of ways when that can happen. I know that you made a, a post on Facebook about that recently, um, and I chimed in on it, but um, when it comes down to it, like, for, with, like, a demon, there has to be a great emotion, essentially, like fear, uh, anxiety, stress, anger, uh, depression, those types of things, that's when they literally come a-knocking at your door. Uh, and I do mean literally. It does, uh, like a lot of times, you'll actually hear when it's a, a demonic presence um, where you get like the priest that come out and they're like, oh yeah, well, did you hear any knocking? Uh, did you see any anybody like peering in through your windows? Things like this. And you just couldn't make out who it was? That's generally when they're like, they're probing, okay, this is a demon, you know, or this is some kind of a demonic presence. Just trying to get in your house. And the thing is, it's they follow some really weird rules. I mean, if you go off like what an exorcist directly talks about, it's bizarre. Like, you know, you can't be in the way of, um, like, you literally, like, they have to be able to, like, kind of essentially walk into your home. If you're, like, in the way, like, you're holding the door open, just like a crack, and peering out, they can't come in. You have to open the door wide open, they, and you got to be out of the way, kind of thing, so they can walk in. It's bizarre. I don't understand that myself. I'm like, it's it's an entity. Couldn't it just like walk through you? You know. Um, but you know, I, I mean, that's the thing. I'm not an expert on this, but I've seen all these like different kinds of things that exorcists will ask. Yeah. And it's bizarre. Yeah. So bizarre. So yeah, I, I know. I, I remember the the one thing because I I do know somebody his his um his family member actually does that um for mm-hmm. a for a Catholic. A Catholic church. It's always a Catholic priest for some reason. They're always dealing with oh, yeah. stuff. For, it's never yeah. a pastor or anything like that. They monopolize. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they got they cornered that that whole market. But that's what he was saying. It's like you have to invite this this thing in. And mm-hmm. and when we're reading and and we're and I'm learning about how David was all the stuff that he was actually researching. It's possible. Hypothetically, it's it's possible that he may he may have invited something in that he shouldn't have, or somebody had given him something the the tools exactly. that the uh, the keys to open up doors, knowing that he shouldn't have. That's why I stay away from 
a lot of that stuff. I know a lot of people research it. I know a lot of Christians that actually, they'll actually research all of that stuff. I can't do it. You know, I, I can't, and I won't, I stay away from it. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing with it is, I mean, demonology is just, it's, it's bizarre. Like, there's so much into it. What David was researching, though, wasn't essentially demonology, though. Um, it's, it was, it's, actually, I would argue, far worse. Um, so, this is, this is where you start going down the rabbit hole, try and sum it up as simple <laughs> as I can. This, this is, it's weird. Um, you guys have heard of H.P. Lovecraft, right? No. Okay, so you've heard of Cthulhu? Uh, from South Park, yeah. All right, okay, fair enough, fair enough. So Cthulhu is, is like this, it, it doesn't make sense anyway. It's like half dragon, half human, half octopus or something like this. Really yeah, weird, it doesn't yeah, make any right. sense. Um, but he's what you would call part of this, this group of elder gods, right? Now that's in the H.P. Lovecraft universe, right? Now the thing is, when you look at these older ancient gods, right, from all these ancient civilizations, things like this, you start seeing these strange similarities to some of these gods. Uh, human sacrifice is always at the top of the list. You'll always see that. Um, you can go back even to caveman days. Um, I, did an, I did an episode on Twitch about that a while ago. I never uploaded it to YouTube, so do apologize for that. But I did actually do a Twitch stream on it um, where I was exploring kind of like the early stages of man, some of the things that were kind of going on, and, and comparing it to like the Bible timeline, bizarre because it adds up. I mean, that's the really weird part is it, it's like parallel. So there's something there, I'd argue. Um, but when it comes down to it, like Neanderthals, they were the ones that were, they would worship. And they would worship all sorts of things, like how like uh, native tribes throughout America, throughout you know, the Americas, all this, that they would worship like the air, a rock, and things like this. They all had some kind of a spirit. Thing is, though, you start getting into like, when you start going to the Middle Eastern lore, you know, during that time, not like directly Neanderthals, but like around that time, early stages of uh, civilization, um, basically, where this ties in, there's this YouTube channel that I end up watching. Uh, they, I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's something Middle East. But basically, they, they look at everything about the Middle East, um, ancient things. The Necronomicon, for instance, which is also a H.P. Lovecraft invention, uh, to some degree, um, was actually based on this ancient necromancy book, essentially, back from the Middle East. And this predates Christianity by, like, I don't even remember how long, but it like heavily predates it. Um, but if you look at some of the gods also that were worshipped then, um, same thing. They're they're what you'd consider an elder god. That's why I posted that that question in the the Facebook group was because I was I was digging on that. I was curious. Okay, so he's mentioning elder gods, ancient ones, all this, and you look and he's got this thing where it goes full circle. Um, he was definitely researching or researching some things he shouldn't. Um, absolutely should not research um, without kind of prior knowledge, preparation. It's not like he's inviting things in, but it's when you start doing the research. Um, I personally have never had anything happen to me as of right now or anything. I haven't had that anything happen to me. Um, but I'm, I'm also very careful where I'm researching, where I'm going with it and all this. David, I know, I've got a feeling he was a lot like, you know, the, the Daniel characters. I think that's who he based the Daniel characters on to some degree. Um, and they were almost like not fearless, but just like really, really brave and all this kind of stuff. And just kind of just, they would kind of charge into things they didn't fully understand. Um, 
Daniel Walker had more understanding because it was more militarized, right, in the script. Dan Daniel Nicasi didn't really understand what he was charging into. So the thing is, I mean, when we're looking at, like, demonic presences, I don't think that's necessarily what was the problem. Um, I think there was definitely some things going on. And like I even discussed last night, I think that there was definitely a huge possibility of gang stalking, which could include planting things in the home. Um, Any time they could have been gone, they could have planted some things just to mess with them. And they could have planted... And once again, Rania's room would have been ideal to do so because now you got the little girl getting scared, you know, out of her mind, you know, and then you've also... If you're planting things around the house to, and just screwing with whoever's home at whatever time, they can totally mess with things real easy. Just planting little devices to make noises. Uh, you can even do a certain frequency and it, and it, would, it could totally throw somebody off. Um... And if you want to see the experiments on this, you can actually, like, you can go on YouTube and see these different, like, um, listen to some of these frequencies. And some of them will do all sorts of different things for you. Um, it's just, it's more of a mindset type of thing, though. It's not more, like, physically it's going to do this to you, but it's like, you know, it, it might make you feel like a little, like, oh, is somebody in the room with me? You know, things like this. I mean, there's all sorts of things like that they can, they can show you, but I think that's kind of what's partly going on in there. Yeah, can't really I think explain the telekinetic activity, though. Can't explain that. <laughs> uh, yeah, me either. I mean, it, it's um, the one thing about the red man that I get because I, I do have people that contact me a lot and they ask me questions about that. And I just want to make it clear that the red man um, scene in a gray state—that's not from their 1051 Ramsdale Drive home. That's from a previous home too. So I know the previous home and their home looked the same because. A lot of the furniture, including the actual rug, is the the same stuff, but it's not not the same home. Um, now, I, so that made me wonder at first. Okay, well, when Kamel is talking about the whole rapture thing and all of that, <laughs> are we sure that that's at 1051 Ramsdale Drive? I'm it assuming was. it is, but I don't know. Well, I can give you an answer on that one. Okay. Uh, they, the first incident that's recorded that was in the documentary is at the end of August uh, 2014. Okay. The other episode that happens is at the end of October of 2014. So we have two mm -hmm. incidents within 60 days, I guess. Now, my issue with this whole entire thing is if they really were having demonic presence or being haunted or, and it seems like they were because of something that she said uh, with the voice, I think, what the voice said, and then David responds, we talked about this. And mm -hmm. he's very distressed when he says it. it. It's almost like he's about to cry as he's saying it. It's like, we can't do this right now. We've talked about this. Mm -hmm. And so, why are they only showing two, rec or why are they only playing two recordings? Oh, yeah. I mean, there should be... Easy. Yeah. Yeah. Unless these more. two recordings are the ones that make them sound the craziest. And the other ones are them trying to work it out and figure out what exactly is going on? Well, my thought That's on that... That's my conclusion. 
Well, see, my thought on that is, I mean, David recorded everything, right? I mean, he, mm-hmm. he, it was very clear he recorded everything. So if he's recording everything, you'd figure there would be more footage. Um, and with how much data he had, how many terabytes he had of data, I guarantee you there was definitely more footage that showed other parts of that. And I think this would also explain why the police didn't really bring that up as kind of a big thing here, but why it was focused on by Lyden, um, or Lyndon, or whatever his name was. Um, I just keep referring to him as uh, Lance Lyden, Ruckman. Because yeah. he goes with Lyden. Yeah, he yeah. I mean, he's basically Lance Ruckman, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> or Charlotte Bannister, either way. Um, um, you know, but the thing is, is like he's... You know, I mean, you're, you're seeing all these, like this, like, this narrative being pushed, and it's directly that. They're trying to get it, oh, he's crazy because paranormal activity and all this kind of stuff. You know, that's what he's claiming. Uh, you know, it's, it's not paranormal at all. It's, you know, he was just losing his mind. The thing is, I mean, you brought up a good point early on. He was not, um, he wasn't even working on that script at this point. Um, he was obviously still researching some things. I mean, the, the notes were right there. Um, however, that could have also been planted, too. Um, yeah, I have an issue with the notebook happening to be right there. Right. Because the, be the notebook has, yeah, it has all the the um, conspiracies on there, all the notes for the 2013 script, but he wasn't working on the 2013 script. Exactly. So now I have, now I think I know why that particular notebook is there. Oh yeah, no, it's absolutely was there on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, staging. I, and I do have those uh, transcripts. Now, I, I did this the best that I could. So okay. right before the whole David going through and talking about the voice that Kamel heard, there is, you hear him in a recording saying, oh, shit. And then he is, he and Camille are talking about something that we cannot make out. And he says, what is it? And there's more hush whispering. Camille, I just told you. I just told you. And then there's more hush, quick whispering. Camille, I want you. And it says, uh, she says this in a harsh whisper, mimicking whatever voice she heard. David says, don't say that, we decided. And that's the part where he seems like very distressed when mm-hmm. he says it. Kamel is crying, would you go? Would you go with me? And then I think that she says, thank you for loving me. And David says, of course, sweetheart. And it seems like he has calmed down at this point because he's trying to soothe her now. Mm-hmm. And Kamel is whispering, I found her too. I'm going to cry. I want you to come with me. And David says, to come with me? And Kamel says, uh, there'll be pleasure. I can't understand what they say. And then I, I wrote that I can't understand what they say after that. Because yeah. it's, again, hushed whispering. What is it? I just told you. I just told you. What is it? I don't want you. Oh, snap. We decided. 
shall be pleasure whether she's mimicking what she heard well the one thing I was noticing too is I mean like it goes back to that like the pleasure thing all this and you, you also got to think about like what was also on the wall right what was um, slapped on the wall real quick um, that the thing is this is this is what makes us even more like they're trying to make it cohesive but there's bits and pieces here that I'm once again I think there would be definitely more footage um, to kind of describe the rest of it, to kind of give more details on what happened, uh, what was going on in the household, which at this point, I mean, either if it really was some kind of entity in the home, um, I like I said, I think it would be more likely um, when they're talking about pleasure and all this, demonic entities don't, don't generally, from what I've been reading and from what I've, I've um, you know, heard and all this kind of stuff, it's, they don't talk about things like pleasure, necessarily. Like, they, they do, but the thing is, where do you get most of those types of discussions? Well, that's where you start looking into Middle Eastern lore, and you look about the jinn, which the jinn is essentially a, a demon over there, um, in that area, but that's, that's through their their lore. Um, but they're they're very heavily about, like, you know, I mean, it's where we directly get the, the term genie from, right? So, mm-hmm. that's basically what it is. You know, they're going to, of course, they're going to try and persuade you they want they want to be able to have that kind of control. They want to be able to get whatever they want from you, which is generally meaning like possession or um, you know, or they're just they want somebody dead. Um, they want you know they want something from whoever they're they're talking to. And when you start hearing the word pleasure, that's directly where I go with that. Is I think okay, well, let's see, if there is some kind of entity, it would have to be some kind of a jinn, most likely. Um, and him going to the Middle East. Her being from the Middle East, I mean, who's to say one of them could have had something? But she seems so off put by it, like it just kind of caught her off guard. So I would already state pretty much at that point, I don't think it came with her. And if it came with David, then I would say it's probably some. It's probably attached to something in the house that he might have gotten from the Middle East. If it really is indeed some kind of a supernatural event, this is directly what we're looking at. I think more than likely what we're dealing with here, at least for the voices, I think it's got to be something planted. It would have to be. Um, because you only see this at specific points, too. Just very, very, like, it's almost like strategic points to kind of, mm-hmm. and of course, they know that David's going to record everything. So now they know, okay, now we just need to find this day. That's all we have to do, find the recording on this day at this time, and we've got it. He's a recording. We're going to have information here. Perfect. And they're not going to hear the voice because we're going to target somebody in a different room where David's most likely not going to be. David so, wasn't yeah, on that time. That's a good point. See, that's what I'm saying. So because it's just been targeting. The next part of that scene, um, you hear David say, August 29th, 2014, uh, Ronnie came home with a fever, and you were connecting. I guess they were 
in her room spending time together. Camille, mm -hmm. and playing painting nails and the door right there. She, she's using her arm to describe things. So she's saying that the, art, the door is right over here to the room, and so she's gesturing. Mm -hmm. I was sitting on the floor, and she was facing me, and I had my back towards the bed, then painting, and we both felt something come through the door, and she makes this huge wishing gesture. Mm -hmm. And uh, with her body and her arms, that gesture with, and then I'm like, okay, cool. And I go back to painting my nails. I know, um, she says, I know, I know where her, Ronnie, is um, because I had been talking to her. A voice higher, and then she's like using her hands again, higher. Uh, a voice higher, I just feel like the height was higher than uh, where she was on the bed. So as she's talking, then she mimics, you didn't like the song. And it's all in deep voice. So she's mimicking the voice at that time. Hmm. And I'm like, Ronnie, did you say something? I looked to see if she is awake or where it came from. And she said, what? No, I didn't say anything. And Camille continues, did you hear that? And Ronnie, nope. Uh-uh. And Camille, and then I came out here to tell you. Just for us. Uh, it's August 29th. Ronnie came home with a fever, and uh, you were connecting and playing. Yeah, we were painting nails, and the door's right here to her room. I was sitting on the floor, and she was sitting facing me. And I had my back towards her bed. Mm -hmm. And then the painting, and then we both felt something come through the door. And then, you know, okay, cool. And then I, as I'm going back to painting my nails, I know where her voice is because I'm, I've been talking to her. So a voice higher than that. So I just feel like the height was higher than where she was at the bed. No, you didn't like the song. I just froze. I'm like, Ryan, did you say something? And just quiet. Look to see if she's awake or, or where it came from. She's like, what? No, I didn't say anything. I'm like, did you hear that? She's like, no, uh -huh. no, I didn't hear anything. And I came out, out and told you. So I'm guessing that there was two incidents. Yeah, there's two incidents then. Well, with something like this, too, there, you'd figure there'd be many more incidents anyways. But Now, this is the, um, the Netflix clip. And then the prophecy... Now, this is seven minutes and twenty six seconds long. You could see that right there on the on the uh, for the phone and the title that David had put in there. This is for October thirtieth, two thousand fourteen. Okay, and this is the one where it's around either two forty eight or two thirty or three forty eight. One of those two. And David says, uh, Camille got rapture today. She's still here. Um, 30th of October, 2014. Just got back from Home Depot with a bunch of wood. Um, 
to build the compost bin. Had lunch with Kamel and uh, something, and then there's an edit to the video, and you can clearly hear it that there's an edit. So he somebody took something out, mm-hmm. and then it comes back. She began to shake, weep, howl, as if like someone had died, and um, she sat down, and then he does like a large exhale. Um, she said, this is what rapture is. In the next scene, edit of the video, you gotta get, you got to give me some time, Camille. And Camille quietly says, can I, can I just wait here with you? And David says, yeah, do what you want. Uh, I'm just trying to remember everything. Do you want to contribute? You can help me remember. And Camille whispers, okay. And David says, uh, you said you've come very far to find me and Ronnie, and I need to come with you. Uh, I need to come with you. There's not much time. Time is not of our world. And on some level, your soul has committed to mine, and we're going to go somewhere, and Ronnie's coming with us. And Camille says, I'm kind, of skeptic- I'm kind of skeptical. I'm trying to make sure of the source from whence it came was real. I don't know. I'm, my skeptical side right now, my scientific side, my brain is questioning where it came from. Is it, uh, is it was something to confuse us? She says questioningly. Am I crazy? Questioningly. October 30th, 2014, there was a journal entry that said, Camille got raptured today, period. She's still here. 1.48 p.m., 30 October, 2014. It's, I was just getting back from Home Depot with a bunch of wood to build the compost bin, had lunch with Coma, and uh, suddenly she began to shake and weep and um, howl. Um, as if, at, like, like someone had died, and, uh, um, she sat down, she said, this is what rapture is. You gotta give me some time. Can I just wait here? Yeah. Do you know, do you want, I was just trying to remember everything. Okay. If you want to contribute, you can help me remember. Okay. You said you've come very far to find me and Ronnie and I need to come with you and there's not much time. Time is not, uh, time is not of our world. And on some level your soul has committed to mine and we're gonna go somewhere and Ronnie's coming with. I'm just kind of skeptical, you know, like trying to make sure the source from whence it came was real. I don't know. I, 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 my skeptical side right now, my scientific side, my brain's questioning where it came from. Is it something to confuse us? Am I crazy? And this one goes with that first thing that I was reading where David says, where they have all the hush whispering. Those two go together, I guess. The one from August that you were talking about? Um, The very first. In, 
In Alec Wilkinson's Death of a Dystopian Filmmaker, uh, from the physical, I don't. I think that the digital. I think they edited the digital version. I have the physical copy, and I'm going to read. I'm going to read a little bit here because it's similar to what to what you just said, a little bit different. So I think maybe we can work on kind of piecing with the A and E version, the Netflix version, with the New Yorker. Maybe we can kind of piece everything to together into one nice little timeline for for ev- for everyone here because this is a very important point here a very important thing um that really s- stood out here um so here's what and Alec will c- go ahead if i can just add when yep. you have headphones on you could clearly hear the edit where mm-hmm. it's like a different change in uh the background noise and everything so they were being deceptive with their edits. And it's frustrating because you're just like, well, why not just play the whole thing? Well, it's the so. only thing is if you were to play the whole thing, I guarantee you the whole thing would easily discredit it. Um, yeah, that's what I'm... Yeah, well, they would, yeah. they, would, they would probably argue that because it's a, you know, it's a, well, hour and a hour and a half film and blah, 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 and... That's what they would probably argue. Well, even then, you you well they're using this to convince <laughs> us that they're guilty. Well, that yes. they need to play the whole entire thing. It, That's true. But it, it really doesn't matter now. I mean, the thing was made. But, well, the thing okay, is, go ahead and read. I'm going to say, with, uh, just one last thing on this. I just think that um, with the edit, I mean, they're obviously trying to put it to TV and to film so that way people can't, you know, they're not going to, generally use headphones to go and listen to a movie. Um, they're generally mm-hmm. going to be, they're just going to be like at their TV, right? Um, or their computer screen, but they're not going to have headphones on generally. That's basically what they're aiming for. They knew that majority of the people, they're not going to use their headphones for this. So we're going to go and edit this. I don't think, honestly, I think probably what ended up happening was that may not even been the case. It was more like, oh, we're just going to edit this. Nobody's going to realize this. Nobody's going to notice that. <laughs> you know, just push it out there. But, I mean, to me, that just, yeah. that's, that's, it's either one or the other on that one. Either they knew, and they willfully did it that way on purpose, so that way just anticipating, oh, only people with headphones will hear it, but who's going to listen to it with headphones? Well, we're going to just go and blame the right-wing conspiracy theorists. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then, of course, you get the other side of it where there's like, oh, well, we're just going to edit this. Nobody's going to notice. It's not a big deal. You know, it's, it's just a minor edit. That's how they're going to probably push it, but it was probably a huge edit. Yeah, I mean they're definitely not catering to the David Crowley fans. So I'm trying to figure out with the the sloppy who are they actually? Cater- I guess they're catering to the anti David Crowley mm-hmm. fans, right? Yeah, the Judy's. Mm-hmm. The Judy. <laughs> the Judy. Fans. Yes, the Judy's. <laughs> All five of them. Okay. Oh yes. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to be through one show without <laughs> mentioning her. Oh okay. no! I, I mentioned her because it's hilarious. Is we already know we're gonna. She's gonna end up listening to this. We already know anything <laughs> that Greg does. She follows like a little puppy dog, you know. Because she loves me. Mm-hmm. Oh, she does. She totally does. She's in love yeah. with you, man. I know. I know. But I'm taken. <laughs> just in case anybody's wondering, I have been spoken for. For about 20, 21 years now, so just throwing that out there. Sorry. Uh, okay, so I'm going to read from Alec Wilkinson's Death of a Dystopian Filmmaker from the physical copy. Again, I don't know if the digital copy may be different. I feel like it is, but I could be wrong on that. 
He writes that a mania shared by two people, one of whom appears to be dominant, is called a delusion by proxy and is rare. The treatment begins by separating the people sharing this delusion. David's entry for October 30th says cryptically, Kamel got raptured today, she's still here. That morning he had gone to Home Depot and when he returned, Kamel came into the kitchen and asked him to hold her. She said something was very wrong, something about do not fear, sweet body, for we have felt this pain together, David said in a recording that he made right after on his phone. David went on paraphrasing her, don't worry about the pain because you do not know how to feel pain and you will return to the dust and your dark slumber and I will be gone. I have my mission, she had told him. She said she had heard a woman's scary voice and asked if he had heard it. Sounding distraught, she reproduced the voice. I've warned you. I've warned you. Then, I want you. Please come with me. Please come with me. Your place won't come to me. Dot, 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 dot. There's nothing left here. David went into his office, shut the door. This took a lot out of her, he said into his phone. He had held her while she began, quote, unquote, to shake and weep and howl, end quote. And then she said, this is what rapture is. Kamel came into the room then and lay down on the couch. You said you were Egyptian, David told her. You said you'd come from very far to find me, and Ronnie and I need to come with you, and there's not much time. The primary emotion was that of like a desperate, desperate love, like hopeless love, he continued. And on some level, your soul has committed to mine, and we're going to go somewhere, and Rania is coming with. Those were the last words, Kamel said, her voice pitched just above a whisper. You know what's ironic about this? <clears throat> is we get that same type of entity, it feels like, in the 2013 script. Absolutely. It feels like that's the black-haired woman. It is. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's, that's totally probably what it, I think that's kind of what happened. thing is, though, one thing I still can't figure out is... The Daniel character, like I like I've mentioned before, is very very much the David that we got that you know that, that we get the you know love and love of course you know um, and we know that we, it's it's basically just like that's who this this character is based on. Thing is, if you look at the with how Daniel Nicasi is, I'm curious as to like because I mean if David's really putting himself in this script, it's like he is the the Daniel character. Who is Kelly, for instance, to David, is that, is that Kamel? Is it somebody else? Um, because, I mean, we get Winona in that same script, and she's with John. And she dies early on, you know, and of course, you know, we, we get that whole thing. Um, but then if you look at the 2014 script, Daniel is with Winona. You know, and so, it, of course, he moves on to Jay in that one as well. I'm just kind of curious as to why he did that. I'm not sure if it was just, you know, just like, oh, it's it's not actually him, you know, he's just doing this for a story, but I don't know, it just, that's the part I can't shake, because in the 2013 script, you still have that, that the black, enti- the, the black-haired entity that's supposed to be his uh, true bride, according to Simeon. So, mm-hmm. I'm curious as to I mean, was see that's the thing. I was like, I mean, what, what was it that the psychic said? I know I'm kind of probably just going all over the place with this, but um, the, didn't the psychic look at that picture of David or whatever and say that that wasn't actually like 
like Camille was essentially cheating on whoever she was with, with David. So I could have sworn that's directly what the psychic had said. And so, and we know that those two are married for a fact. Um, so, like, I mean, my, my thing is, psychic is basically saying there's some unfaithfulness, essentially. So was David maybe being unfaithful, potentially? I would say no, but once again, we see these two scripts, and he, there's two women in his life. Um, one that he obviously does not want there in, with the, the 2013 script, and he doesn't even realize she's there. Um, and then there's the one that he loves, and she dies. And then the second script, we get the two women. Um, you know, one that's killed off super early. And, that's the, and the thing is, is Winona Winfoot comes off, like just the description of her, just the kind of way everything goes with her, it, it feels like that's Kamel. And then she dies off super early in the in this uh, 2014 script, and then by the, you know, then you get Jay. So my question is, do you do you think it's possible he was unfaithful, and that could have influenced the script, which could have maybe messed up their marriage in some way that we didn't hear about? Well, it's possible they were dealing with something. We know, according to the message between Kamel and David's sister, they were dealing with something very personal, spirit, you know, something. There was something going on mm -hmm. that they were dealing with to try to make their their marriage stronger. Um, you know, I really hate to, to accuse, and I know we're just talking, people need to recognize, like you said before, these are just our thoughts. We're just basically thinking out loud. We're, we're not accusing people of anything anytime that we do this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I do hate to, kind of go there, but um, we just have to look at, well, we know there was something going on mm -hmm. be between them. We, I don't know what that was. Um, I don't see any evidence of any cheating or anything like that. We know that, um, you know, even the, the worst people who have talked about David, they don't say anything like that. I, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't have a good answer other than to say I don't see any evidence of it. Yeah. But that's, that's the thing, if we don't have any evidence either way, um, it sucks. <laughs> you know, I mean, the thing is, I mean, the other thing we also have, too, is he was also with that, just going into this, just to kind of just dig a little deeper on this, you know, people that generally cheat, I mean, I'm not saying this is a, a guaranteed thing. I know it's not an exact science of that, but um, for what I've heard about when it, when it comes to people who have cheated, they get very, very jealous um, of, of their partner, especially if somebody's giving them attention Potentially, they could be left. Um, I've heard that as a thing. Now, I don't know, um, but I think that's I think that's something. Maybe if that is true, then I, I think we I'm going to try and have to go and figure this out, and then try and get some numbers and data on this. Is if that's true, and it's more kind of a relevant thing, then would that explain his jealousness, maybe, um, at his reunion or the high school reunion? I mean, I, I've, I'm kind of that same way, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I, I don't know, I wouldn't want my friends or anything like that talking about my, my wife or, you know, I'm, so I can relate. Well, I can too, I can way. totally relate to that. <laughs> I, I think any, I think any man should or any man can. Yeah. And when you have your, your friends that are having dreams about your wife and stuff like that and making jokes, hey, if you ever want to leave, leave David, you know. Let me know, you know, if you ever, you know, and just joking and stuff like that. But, um, you know, that happened a lot, not with my with my wife, um, 
who was my girlfriend for a long, long time. But so it could just be a personality thing because I can mm-hmm. totally relate to that personality when it comes well, that's true. to I mean, that. I can as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one it's of those odd. things like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and I know that like, you know, it, I mean, it's vice versa with me and my wife. It's the same thing, you know, kind of thing happens, you know, but it's, um, I, I think that like, I mean, if that is a true thing though, I mean, like if it's kind of a relevant thing, I think it'd be, Maybe worth looking at, but oh sure, I don't, sure. I don't I mean, think you it, have I, to look honestly, at everything. I mean, well, exactly. I mean, with that, could that be relevant to the case? I mean, potentially. I mean, if once again, if we have to look at it from all sides, is it possible? You know, this was done uh, the way the narrative is saying, which we know it's not because the evidence doesn't line up, of course. But if there was something there, like why they're having relationship issues, this could explain. Um, we can actually open it up a little bit more, and it would it would open some things up to some degree, sure. because that means there's a level of distrust. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of things that come with that, you know. Um, so he cheats on somebody, um, and they're caught, especially. Then now you have this huge level of distrust. If that part, if their partner is going to stay with them, right. huge, huge level of distrust. Right, and and something something like that, that's why I think um, when Sidra mentioned Kamel, Kamel's journal, um, that's what I was looking for. That's what I asked mm-hmm. them, um, you know, is, and there's nothing in there. Yep. like that, that says, you know, David cheated, and now we're, we're getting over it, we're working through it, etc. So I was yep. expecting to find something like that in there. It's, yep. You really don't find that. It's really just a lot of dog, a lot of stuff that you would go if you went to just a general counselor or something like that, yep. you know, you'd find just a lot of that stuff. So I was, that's when I was like, okay, well, if something like that did, because that is a valid question, and you're right. I mean, we have to look at that. We have to look mm-hmm. at all of it. Did, did yep. she cheat? You know, um, but uh, again, it's like there should be something there. There should be more to it. But there was definitely, in my mind, there's no doubt that they were having problems, some type of problems, whatever it was. Well, I mean, it seemed seemed more like it was on on the finance side of things because, you know, he obviously wasn't working. Um, He was just working on his script and, you know, just kind of taking care of the house and all that. That's all it seemed like he was doing, which, I mean, I, I get it. He was being a house husband. Sure, sure. I mean, I've lived that. It's... It's nice, uh, <laughs> but it's um, it's one of those things that it's, it's um, you know, she I can understand her frustration, but once again, if they were looking at houses in California, I mean, I think I think it's more than likely there was more there was like no cheating. I think it had to be more along the lines of probably well, some kind of financial. Was, if burden. it was that, let's I mean, if let's let's look at that. If it was a financial issue, I don't think she would have quit her job. Though I don't think nope. she would have let her license go. And nope. like so, Sophia has looked at all of the the Wells Fargo records and all that stuff. There's really nothing there. And then I think because I was totally like on to that, like okay, that's that was a working theory. That was great. And then we find out that there was fourteen thousand dollars left in the front door, you know, and like that stuff just really blew, blew my mind. It's like, wait a minute, okay. Well, and then David, you also got to mention the fact that they were also looking at houses in Cali. That's true, right, so which is not cheap. At, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that's very, very expensive down there. So they're looking at houses in Cali. They've got some money. They've got money on, the, um, on their porch. Obviously, they didn't necessarily know about that. I mean, they could have, but... Um, but it's one of those things that money wasn't an issue, but yet you see, like, her, like, allegedly when she had talked to her dad or whatever, I don't know if we actually got, like, actual, like, um, documentation to prove or any kind of confirmation, but, um, 
you know, if it is true that Alam or that um, uh, what's his name, the dad, um, um <laughs> Father Alam, we'll just go with that. Um, if he had actually you know, like convinced her, you know, hey, look, you know, you guys are having issues, well, you know, stick it out, come on, you know, he's worth, he's a good guy, kind of thing. So it kind of felt like it was just more along the talks, like you know, she was unhappy about something, more than likely either finances or, you know, his personality. I mean, once again, we've already explored the personality before. Um, they're very, very dominant personalities. You know, um, they're going to be their leaders. That's that's what Camille and David were. Um, so we, I, you, yeah, you you do bring up a couple good things there because um, Camille's dad did buy David his uh, car. Um, mm -hmm. I think in two two thousand nine. Plus, up until October of, of twenty fourteen, Camille's dad was paying for their cell phone bills. Mm -hmm. So there was, you know, there was. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what. All of all of that man, but um, I I do think that's why when this when David's Hollywood deal came out along with this fourteen thousand dollar check added to the fact that the police can conclude that there was no motive no mo no financial motive that they found you know that kind of blew that theory because that's what these gray state goons were actually telling us too he was running out of money blah 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 they were at the end so they decided to kill themselves that's pretty much what they were telling us until we mm -hmm. found out all this stuff it's like wait a minute that doesn't line up but mm -hmm. but i mean some of that is is true the the uh, dad was paying for for things whether it's you know and if you look at the colleges that they went to those aren't cheap colleges either mm -hmm. so well, I mean, we also recently found out too that um, you know David's dad was also like loaded too. So, I mean, we don't know. Did they direct? Did, did David's dad pay for uh, Camille to go to school? Um, I mean, if you if know. David's dad is giving them a fourteen thousand dollar check in two thousand fourteen, mm -hmm. it's pretty logical to think that that wasn't the only year or the first year mm -hmm. that he was giving them money like oh, that. Oh yeah, and they when the thing yeah. is, is like he also had that account set up for in case anything were to happen to him, the kids get it. So. And they had a joint. They had a joint uh, account between David, or between uh, the David's father and and the uh, three kids too. So they mm -hmm. all had access to this joint uh, account. And th as far as we know, David was never late on any payments or anything like like that. It did seem like he was trying to do his own thing, selling off props and selling off that stuff, and trying to get his own thing going. Um, doesn't seem like he was interested in a nine to five job, but maybe that's because he didn't really need it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That is a very good point. Um, anything else on that? Well, we just, we covered one topic, literally. <laughs> I mean, honestly, a lot we covered topic. one topic. <laughs> yes. That, that's the one we always You're very optimistic. <laughs> it's, it's always the one topic, but the thing oh is, is goodness. like, one also touches on five, um, it touches on, it, I mean, it touches on a few of them. And that's then, true. so, I mean, that's the thing, we also end up covering a few other things throughout it, but, um, okay. one I do want to mention, though, is, um, let me bring it up real quick. So, okay, so with 11, um, we start hearing the Lakota stuff. Uh -huh. um, that's the one thing I keep coming back to. What is the relevance of the Lakota tribe to David? Because I know they're in the area, but they're small little areas. Um, but, you know, the Lakota, like the Mohawk, that's very important um, because that appears in, I believe, both scripts. Yeah. Um, you also get the language, and you do get Wanakia in both of them. Now, um, 
I don't know if you got to see the episode uh, that I did recently. I know that Sophie was in that one as well, but um, um, just for everybody, um, in the 2014 script we get this line. It's and I'm going to butcher the hell of this. I am so sorry to the Lakota <laughs> tribe for this, but um, Thetchihila uh, Wanakia. Um, it translates to English as "I love you, Savior." That's directly what um, Winona says to Daniel. And this is as he's going into the university to go get her. Um, the thing is, you also get this from, I don't remember which guy, if it was Scan or Nagi, um, one of them calls John Wainick Wanakia. The thing is, is like, Savior, you could also translate to hero or something along these lines as well. It could be just assumed. Um, and especially considering the situation in both, Daniel, that, that Daniel character or the John character, they're both doing something that would be looked at as heroic. Um, taking on the New World Order, heroic. Uh, you know, fighting, you know, the, like going, well, the, you know, rushing in to go and save his girlfriend, heroic. So, um, I find that interesting because you get, like, all sorts of different kinds of references in the 2013 script, all sorts of different kinds, like you get the, um, the burial, or the, the cremation ritual of um, Winona. Um, and that whole thing, uh, you get John actually undergoing that. Um, he's, I don't know if he's listening to some kind of music or chant or something, but he's definitely doing something with his, his uh, earbuds. So they and burn her, her body in that one? In the yes. 2013? Yes. It's a cremation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you get two cremations. Keep in mind, you get the cremation of Karen, you get the, <laughs> the Lakota cremation. So That's two cremations. And you have that's on page 49 of the 2013 script here. Mm-hmm. We're skipping through to... I know. <laughs> I'm not even I done. I am so sorry. I just, I, we, nobody has touched this yet. Like, we have not touched it yet. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. So I figured let's just skip through real quick because a lot of the other stuff has been touched. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really mm-hmm. wanted to skip through that because that is not, I have not seen a single thing brought up about Lokota's yet. Other than what we brought up in the Twitch stream the other night. But, like, I hadn't seen anything through the entire Facebook group about what is the connection to the Lakotas to David. And I still can't figure that out. I'm, I've just been sitting here trying to wrap my mind about why is he so focused on the Lakota tribe. And even then, if you look at the Lakota tribe, that's that was like three or four different tribes. Like, yeah, I just, the, I just thought it was because that's what was there in Minnesota before, before they... Yeah. Well, if you look at, like, directly what was there, the Lakota tribe, like, it was, like, a, it was a, an amalgamation of, like, three or four different of uh, Native American tribes. <laughs> and if you look at directly where that land was, basically what they were given for their quote-unquote reservation or whatever, their mm-hmm. land was actually in, mostly in the, in the North and South Dakota area. Um, there was nothing in the Minnesota area. Oh, wow. But then all of a sudden... Although we, North and South are right there next to... Mm-hmm. Exactly. Minnesota. So, um, but then the like thing the is, there's other, there's, there was other Native American tribes in the Minnesota area, though. So that's why I'm curious why he was so focused on them. But then when you, I just looked this up last night, or maybe the night before, um, you can actually see there's like three areas in Minnesota where it's actual Lakota tribes, like remaining area, like what they have. And it's very, very tiny area right outside of uh, Apple Valley. Wow. There mm-hmm. you go. That makes sense. But it's just kind of weird. Why is he so focused on that? Yeah. He adds quite a bit into the script in regards to 
this tribe also. Like uh, John mutters a Lakota prayer to dying Winona or Winona. And then he cuts off a lock of her hair before the cremation. And then right before they head off, I think for the Redwoods mm-hmm. part, he stops by her uh, where her cremation was and leaves the hair there again. Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing that. And these all connect back to the scene, the crime scene. Mm-hmm. Where you have the uh, Quran right there, and supposedly David saying the Muslim forgiveness prayer, uh, the hair at the crime scene. So, I mean, you're seeing quite a few things. Oh yeah. And but he does add a lot of the Lakota tribe, and in there you also um the spiritual aspect of it too or metaphysical aspect of where they're at the ridge and they're both John and Daniel are looking up at the sky and he's talking about between the gray state or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the and state of gray. The, yeah, the state of gray. And so you're getting quite a bit of information, but where does it come from? Mm-hmm. Like, well, with, trying to say we would love to know the backstory to it well like I mean, if, you was, the, if you look at the babylonian type of stuff that he mentions directly that when they talk about the state of gray like i said that all predates christianity so i think that's where this is all coming from and i don't know i mean that there could be i mean obviously there's going to be more to it with the gray state you know guys so yeah i was looking at because um this thing says the Lakota, because I was wondering, well, do they bury their dead? Because Indians, I thought, I thought they bury their dead. Um, why would they? I believe some of them cremated. Yeah, it, it just depends on the tribe, because uh, cremation is, it will either cremation or they leave the body out for scavengers. So. Well, because every horror movie, you know, he. I know, he, right? If you bury, if you build a building over the the dead, but and you got problems, mm-hmm. but. Mhm. That's interesting. I didn't. I I totally. Uh, yeah, they don't. They don't want the body to like exist anymore. Basically, is for what I understand. I I don't recall many tribes burying. I just re- I just recall them basically just leaving it out so nature can take care of it or creation. I mean, Everything I'm I'm reading here seems that they bury. It's more likely that they bury them and not burn them. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Makes sense. I mean, to some degree, you know. I mean, that's. I mean, like they're also more closer towards where the colonies were, anyways. So they would have been a lot uh, quicker to, uh, I guess, assimilate. Maybe so they kind of just went to the burying. But I mean, who knows? Maybe that's that was the way they just did things all along. And that's where you start getting into really weird lore with the burial cells. So, like, of all sorts of other things that come along with that. <laughs> like you were saying, you know, um, in Native American burial grounds, and then you're, you're going to plop a house there in the neighborhood, and, well, now you got a, was that movie Poltergeist? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Because well, all it's these not movies just that movie. There's real. some other ones. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why you don't watch them? <laughs> <laughs> like, where was my house? Uh, like, why, why was it erected here? Is there anything here? <laughs> well, yeah, whenever oh, there's some, some ghost thing, that's the first thing that, that they look for. Who, was bar- who died here? Right. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I got to get going. So yeah, some um, stuff now. So okay, so let's go ahead and wrap wrap this one up. Even though we only covered one topic here, but um, <laughs> any final words here from everybody? We're definitely going to have to come back. Maybe I guess we got twenty nine topics, so we can do twenty nine shows. Apparently, uh, I mean, oh by the time God. we get to our second show, I'm sure I'll I'll have this. I'll have yeah, my more notes for put in. So. Okay, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Right. So, All right, any final um, yeah, words? Well, I mean, one, one thing just to kind of just leave everybody off with, I guess, would be, like, um, pay attention to, like, for instance, like, the translations. Hey, go through this, the scripts, translate uh, what, what they say, because if you look at the translations, uh, you start getting into some really uh, deep topics, uh, you know, the Enochian spells and John D and... Well, it's like I discussed it last night, but um, and like Malthusianism, um, you know, you get into some pretty heavy topics. So, oof, yeah, it's a it's a trip. It's definitely a trip going through this, and definitely plan on adding a crap ton more. So, <laughs> awesome, you got you got some homework. Um, oh, too much. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Sophia? Any final words before I shut this one down? I would like to encourage everybody to read the 2013 script and see exactly what we're talking about. Do your own list of comparison and parallels, because I'm fairly certain I missed a few things. And I would love to see what other people come up with. All right, everyone. Until next time, I'm going to go ahead and uh, stop this recording. A simple truth. It really is this simple. Either you believe David Crowley is innocent or you believe he is guilty. If you believe David Crowley is guilty, you are wrong. If you believe David Crowley is innocent, you are right. It really is that simple. A United States Army veteran is dead. His wife and his five-year-old daughter are dead. A thorough investigation would only conclude with authorities admitting they lacked evidence to support their accusations. If authorities were to admit the case remains unsolved, they would also have to admit that the public may still be in danger. I am not able to solve this case. My interest is in forcing authorities to admit David Crowley is innocent. The reason they refuse to talk about this case is not because they are confident of David's guilt. They lack confidence in their allegations. Their department wishes to move on, but they are only lying to themselves. They must know the simple truth, and they need to publicly admit this. Their credibility depends on it now. The unspoken truth is that David is innocent until proven guilty. Why are authorities running from the simple truth? How long do they think they can run for? You cannot run from God. You cannot run from your nightmares, and you cannot run from the facts. Why would anyone want to? What could possibly motivate someone to try? If you cannot prove David Crowley guilty, then he remains innocent. It's as simple as that. 
so the resistance we face is disgusting. If David was guilty, the evidence would be right in our faces. If David was guilty, resistance to our questions would not exist. If David was guilty, facts would be evident. There are no facts to prove David guilty. There are only facts which prove David innocent. Hence the resistance to getting justice for David Crowley and family. Who cares? Do the people who closed this case and decided to not speak about it ever again really care? Do the friends who accused David Crowley of being guilty days after his body was found really care? Perhaps they only care about spreading the accusations of David's guilt instead of researching the facts of this case. They don't seem to care about the facts which prove David innocent. Truth is a simple thing. Justice does not die. Facts prove David is innocent.